really happy when people told me, oh, uh, thank you for your recommendation. I started biomedical engineering and that's, I think, the, the most uh, gift that I, I have been receiving. Well, welcome to today's episode. And in today's episode, I have someone new someone who has been creating content for quite some time and i really love uh, their content and uh, but they also have a similar background to me uh, uh, so today i have natalia cantavella and I, I hope i'm pronouncing your name correct natalia but um, uh, you work as a neuroimaging engineer which is basically a, a speciality of biomedical engineering and uh, from uh, the research I did before this, I know you spent five years in university. First, you studied uh, uh, biomedical engineering, and then you specialized in neuroimaging, I think. And this yeah. was in Spain. But then you left Spain and you moved to Italy for better job opportunities, or yeah. just for the better food in Italy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Does that really sum up? Yeah, well, um, I start in Spain. Biomega engineering is a really new degree. When, when I started, it was in 2015. And, uh, well, I did exactly health engineering, specialty in biomedical engineering in Malaga. Uh, that, in that uh, university, it is really focused uh, from the informatic point of view. I did many programming languages. And uh, then I did an exchange program called Erasmus. And I went to Prague one, uh, one year. And uh, the last year, because in Spain, the bachelor is four years uh, compared to another countries. Uh, for example, in Holland, it's three years. I'm also in Italy, but in Spain, it's four years. The last year, I did another exchange program to another city in, in Spain, Valencia. And there I finished my degree and I started to become specialized um, in neuro because I did a thesis of artificial intelligence and hypoxemic uh, lesions uh, in the white matter in Alzheimer's patients with MRI. And after that, uh, well, uh, I didn't mention, but uh, during the exchange program in Prague, I attend many conferences in Europe, in Austria, Berlin, uh, also Holland, uh, because I wanted to get uh, more focused deeply in neuro because neuroscience, uh, I didn't study anything during the bachelor, so I had to study by myself. And when I uh, finished the bachelor, I did the master of neuroscience in, in Barcelona that uh, I was the only one um, medical biomedical engineer that did it. Uh, it was the first one engineer, so it was little, a little bit hard for the teachers to understand my role in the research part. Um, then it was a pandemic, so I started looking for PhD and jobs, but it was harder to find anything that was interesting me because uh, sometimes people... Uh, when they finish the degree, they don't know which path they should take. But uh, it wasn't my case. I, I knew I wanted to do neuro and artificial intelligence. So I did um, an internship with Amsterdam University, UMC, the hospital. 
and I did it online because of the COVID. And then it appears uh, an opportunity of Italy. And I'm here more than two years being like a software developer in artificial intelligence and neuroimaging. This is a little bit brief. So much. Nice. <laughs> and that's really exciting, you know, uh, because when you, I know you mentioned a lot of things there, but one of the things you mentioned was when you started your degree, it was to a new degree. And it's something that I also experienced. So when I chose to study biomedical engineering, most people didn't even know what biomedical engineering was. And uh, then I decided to actually come, also, also left my home country, went to invest in the UK, uh, where I was quite fortunate to get some uh, internships in R&D that sort of like kick-started my career. But, um, you know... <laughs> Because you said a lot of things there, Natalia, I'm going to break it down a little bit. Okay. So right now, right now you're working in uh, basically AI development for, for neuroimaging, right? And um, so in this job you're doing right now, do you program a lot or what do you do yeah. on a day-to-day -day basis? I'm all programming. Uh, people ask me what I'm doing. Basically, I'm programming. I'm doing softwares uh, with Python. Uh, what I learned by myself during the thesis in the bachelor because during my bachelor it wasn't uh, any course about Python so I learned uh, by myself and um, sometimes it, obviously I, I see images, uh, MRI images for example if you know a little bit of MRI, T1, T2 and FLIR they are the main uh, MRI images that I'm looking for in different diseases so after doing my software, I have to look and understand, analyze if uh, the purpose of the software has been reached, looking for the images. Sometimes uh, what happens in my case is that I'm really focused to the primary stuff that sometimes I lose the focus also in the images, but it's the purpose. Yeah, I'm, I'm like a primary, uh, my, my brain is always thinking in priming. But I'm also neuroscientist, <laughs> but that part, uh, sometimes I, I forgot. So I have to remember, okay, Natalia, you did it. Okay, the code is all right, it's correct. But does the code make sense for your purpose? So we have to look the images. <laughs> so being in this world that being able to understand both sides, sometimes it's harder, but I really like it. Uh, but yeah, but most of the makes time sense. I'm programming. Nice. Makes sense. And uh, definitely because I I worked uh, as a programmer for, for a medical device building the operating system as well. And uh, one thing that's worth mentioning for the audience is that as a biomedical engineer, you are expected to learn a lot of things. So you should know biology, you're expected yeah. to know um, programming, chemistry, physics. So it's like you have to be an all-rounder in quite a lot of um, you know, science domains for you to to do a yeah. good job here. But um, just for people who don't know what neuroimaging is, like how would you describe neuroimaging in the most basic way? Well, uh, the most basic way it could be that there are brain images. For example, when you yes. have a headache and you go to the doctor and they recommend you maybe, or not, sometimes depending of the doctor doing an MRI, also doing another kind of images, such as PET images. 
for example, people understand it better with another kind of images, for example, X-ray that you have your leg, you broke your leg or whatever. They are more or less similar, but in the brain. And uh, because they are non-invasive images, uh, which means the MRI, that uh, it does not provoke any injury in your head. That is really important because it's a really delicate uh, organ. Um, we can do as many MRI images as we can. And it lets us to understand if we have, if the patient has any, uh, for example, structured pro uh, problem. For example, structural problem should be having a tumor. Is it structural uh, that you can see in MRI? Uh, for example, having some lesions. Uh, so I'm, I'm working with that. Uh, uh, nowadays, if you go to the to a hospital, uh, we the person who sees those images are the neuroradiology in, in, with the with the neurology together. Nice, nice, and uh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And even to also say this to add on to what you're saying, because mm -hmm. I, I I've I've the only neuro imaging I know is basically been the what I've started at university and what I've come across because uh as part of the imaging we have to we have to learn other technologies we we that exist out there. So essentially when you have like a brain or when you have an organ like a brain which is you know enclosed in your skull, it's really yeah. hard to see because you can't just look at it and because there's a skull protecting it. So to see yeah. the brain you need to do all these scans, right? Yeah. But uh, the the most exciting thing is all that has been happening with uh, the latest developments uh, outside of MRI is the you know artificial intelligence aspect of it, yeah. and uh, and that and what artificial intelligence basically is helping people to do is to help people see the images better. So these sort of like smart algorithms which you're working on. Um, help to sort of like look if there's a maybe a cluster or a certain grouping of you know too many cells which can which can then which may not be so visible to the human eye and uh, the machine can look at this looking at the pixels of that and then say you know what i think maybe this is a tumor and this and then that helps you know the neuroradiologist uh, yeah. to to see the the, the information right but yeah. um you know but the exciting thing though is like how fast the AI is going. I mean, like you're working in sort of in the AI space for uh, medical technology. Like, do you do you think there's been a lot of progress that has happened in in recent yeah. years um, over the course, time you've yeah. been working there? Yeah, since I started, I started I think 2019 with my thesis. Uh, in that time, I was doing the hypoxemic ischemic lesions. Uh, that are sometimes they are visible, sometimes they are harder to see by the neuroradiologists, or they spend like, for example, one and a half hour to segment all those lesions. Uh, nowadays, there are some tools that uh, can do that uh, detection of the lesions at seventy percent that for people could 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 think there's a low uh, precision. No, it's higher to the. To to the lesions, a structure is higher compared to another structures. For example, well, the hippocampus, the, the accuracy, uh, it could be the 92%, I think so. 
but the lesions, they have been improving uh, over the years. I think that uh, several years ago, it was 40 or 50% of accuracy precision. Now it's 20% wow. over. So it's, it is easier for the medical doctors to detect those lesions and also to know the volume of those lesions that you cannot see uh, only looking at the images. You have to analyze in a precise way to understand if the lesion has been progressed or has been reducing according to the treatment or according to the past of the, over the years of the of the disease of the patient. Well, and uh, you know, like I know you used a lot. I know you used a lot of uh, big words, which I understand. But just to basically simplify for people who are listening, uh, what you're saying is basically in the brain, uh, when you've got a tumor or, or a grow or a, like a growing of cells, the new technology you guys have right now basically helps the doctor see if it's yeah. been getting smaller through treatment or, and that's yeah. getting better essentially because you want the cancer cells to go. So you want them to shrink or yeah. if it's been getting bigger. So I guess this algorithm uh, compares. So from the same patient, you can take these scans and then you can keep them yeah. in a uh, sort of like storage. And then it compares over months to see yeah. if there's progress or not. Months over the years. Uh, there's, well, in MRI, we say that uh, we work with time points. One year, another year for the same patient, I'm going to put an example of multiple sclerosis that have those lesions if I'm going to sum up a little bit of this disease. Multiple sclerosis uh, affects mainly the myelin of the white matter substance. So uh, people that suffer it, uh, they have those hypoxemic lesions that are micro-infarts in the white matter. So what happens is with the loss of the myelin, the neurons cannot communicate in a faster way because the myelin makes you communicate sure. between all the neurons from all the lobes of the brain in a really fast way. If we don't have it, our um, our activities go lower. We cannot speak as fast as we did uh, and many, many things. So this is an important fact that nowadays is really uh, investigated uh, the these lesions and um, what it happens with multiple sclerosis is that they have many treatments nowadays. They have plenty, depending if you are pregnant or not pregnant, depending on the age of the sex, you have plenty of options. So to the doctor, see if they have the good treatment for you. They try the basic one at the beginning. They look over, over for example, one year if the lesion has been progressed or have been disappeared. Because the good part of uh, multiple sclerosis is that some lesions are going to be reduced because the myelin regenerates itself uh, well, also with the help of the, of the treatment. So uh, those machine learning techniques of the learning techniques allows uh, the medical doctor to see in a really precise way, for example, if the lesion has been reduced, I don't know, for example, doing millimeters that a simple eye you cannot see, a simple view. Wow. So, uh, yeah, of the progression of those lesions, uh, they are going to put you one treatment or another. And this, this is really important because it um, makes your life better. You have more quality of life. And you you are not like um, 
you are not a trial. You are the, the, the medical doctor knows which medical <laughs> knows if you have been uh, worse or or better. So it is really or good. Better. Yeah, and it it also helps to do faster the diagnose and um yeah because nice. in Spain I don't know if in other countries the, um, the health insurance has been saturated uh people when they go to um um set up an appointment for for example neurology uh they told you uh, in public health one and a half years to wait until you have an MRI so if you, we use uh, these artificial intelligence tools, they will help the doctors not substitute help. That's yes. people sometimes confuse that to do this diagnosis in a precise yes. way and also in a faster way, so people could be treated and diagnosed easily. That's nowadays it's not as Makes fast. Of course, definitely. I mean, uh, just to add on to your point there because. I mean, when you go to an illness such as cancer, for instance, uh, every day counts. And I think that's why during the pandemic, people were complaining about delayed cancer diagnosis because if someone was delayed by three months, it can make the difference between uh, being alive or not. So yeah. in, in this case where you've got a disease that needs to be you know, diagnosed faster, that needs to be you know, be treated a lot for, uh, a lot more accurately. And yeah. I like what you say that, you know, when people are going in these trials, they're no longer just like, you know, as I like to say, a, a lab rat, you know, where everything is yeah, tried yeah. on. You're actually being treated with information and medication that's directly helping the, the tumor you have. Because to, 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 to add to the, complex, or the complexity of tumors is, that sometimes two people can have um, two different kinds of tumors, even though it's probably the same type of cancer. So each each treatment has to be personalized, and that's what your algorithms are helping to do. Yeah. So so that's really that's really motivating. So so right now, would you see yourself as a researcher or more of a developer? How how, how do you see yourself right now? <laughs> I think I'm a researcher. Uh, because, uh, well, my company, um, well, in my company, I'm a software developer, but I mostly do research. Um, for those who doesn't, uh, who don't understand, which means doing research in a private company, because sometimes we, well, when I was at university, I thought the yeah, research is only uh, during university in the labs. No, research you can do in a private company, that means doing some projects. So for, for example, to publish a, play, a paper that makes you grow up and your curriculum higher also. And uh, also, in being researching in a company means that sometimes your projects going, is going, they are going to be used uh, with um, financial purpose to uh, pharmaceutical companies so the company can earn a lot of money with your project. But um, I'm a researcher because I'm always desperate to find a solution for any problems. So um, I'm always doing like a circle. Uh, I, I was talking uh, yesterday with my um, Heather and that I do like a circle. When I think I finished one project, then I realized that there was uh, any mistake that I have to solve again. And this 
you have to be uh, plenty of patient because I'm I'm not patient. So um, yeah, I'm researcher. <laughs> I'm always trying to uh, solve problems. And when I solve a problem, uh, there are gonna be another project that mm, sometimes it could be easier the first the first time they told you, but then you realize that's no. The, the most easiest ones are the most complicated uh, because uh, <laughs> you, you have control, you're really confident, and sometimes you realize that, okay, the code is really simple, the images are not great as you imagine. So, yeah, I'm a researcher because I think that being a developer uh, could be, be being more a person that just a, does uh, a project each day or in two weeks and then send it. And my projects uh, normally take some several months.